Good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're here for the first time, just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming, checking out our church. Love to meet you after the service. A few pastors and I will be down front. If you could just come down and introduce yourself, that would be great. Well, we're in the last part of a series called The Path. And for the last four weeks, we've been talking about this, this path of wisdom and how when we walk the pathway of wisdom, we do so with the end in sight. And so we look at where we're supposed to go and look at where God would have us go. And then we make decisions today based on where we need to be. But the path of folly, which is the other way people choose to go, is the pathway that just looks at the now. It doesn't take into consideration the direction in which we're going. So wisdom is not so much a decision that you make today. Wisdom is a direction in which I orient my life. And we've been talking about several topics through a specific Old Testament book called Proverbs. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. You can keep one, borrow one, and you can also read along on the screen. So here's what we said that wisdom is. Wisdom is having the skill to see how the world works and then being able to navigate through it. The word wisdom in the original language of the Old Testament, which was Hebrew, really means skill. So when we talk about having wisdom, we, we, mean, we mean having the skill to see how the world works and then we just navigate through it. We're looking at it through the teachings of a guy named King Solomon. Primarily, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. God called Solomon the wisest man who ever lived, even though he didn't always follow his advice, and he made some big mistakes and walked down the path of folly many times in his life. He still had these jewels of wisdom early in life that he wanted, uh, he gave primarily to young people. That's who he was writing to that day, but it applies to all of us. So we've talked about well, what is the path of wisdom? What is the path of folly? And if I'm going to walk the path of wisdom, how does that affect the way I communicate? If I'm going to walk the path of wisdom, how does that affect relationships? Specifically, last week we talked about wisdom and sex, and that was uncomfortable. If you, if you want to be uncomfortable with things we said in church, just go watch the video or listen to the podcast and take a listen to what we had to talk about, about wisdom and sex. So today we're talking about something different. Something that you've probably thought about already today. Something that causes people to love, to hate, to be dishonest. Something that can cause a lot of good or cause a lot of bad. Something that is the primary reason married couples get divorced. Something that people spend their whole lives chasing only to find out that's what I chased all of my life. We're talking about wisdom and money. You might be going, oh man, can we just talk about sex again? I mean, <laughs> we have to talk about wisdom and money. But the facts are, when you look at the book of Proverbs, there's over 100 Proverbs to do with money. And if you're part of our Proverbs 31 Days of Wisdom group on Facebook, I'll post those sometime before tonight, all 100 plus of those Proverbs that have to do with money. So you can see them categorized and in different topics. You can just read through them all at one time. I'm going to throw a bunch of them at you today. So if you are taking notes, uh, listen fast and write down fast. So we've been hitting these major, major themes in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and now we're down to where 
Solomon is talking about money and he's giving advice to everybody, specifically he's talking to young people and he's saying, okay, son, when it comes to money, there's going to be people that they will invite you in on their schemes. They will invite you in on how to get money. And sometimes that's going to be a very dishonest thing. They're going to say, hey, let's go, let's go beat somebody up and take what's theirs. Let's go steal. Let's get our hands on money however we can. And he's saying, stay away from those people. That's the path of folly. You don't want to go down it. And he says, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And it's true, we can see money robbing people of life. It, money can bring life or death. Money can feed the poor, but it can also be used to feed greed. And today Solomon and some other writers of Proverbs are going to give us some advice about how do we make sure and ensure we're walking the path of wisdom when it comes to our money. A few things we need to understand about money that, that can be easy to forget, especially in a culture like ours where money is readily available. You can go out and get a job, a real good job, and start to make money and, and start to enjoy money and do whatever you want with it. Some people a lot, some people a little, but most of us have figured out, here's how I make money. So here's what you need to know about money. Money is dangerous. It can make you do stupid things. It can make you lose all of your intelligence. You can be watching TV late at night, having a snack, and an infomercial comes on and you're like, how have we ever sliced vegetables before now? You know, we, we have to buy one of those. Call up and you buy one. Or this new way to exercise that, that's a new way. And if you exercise this way, you're going to look like that. And there's always some really great built guy or great built woman that's saying, you want this? Then you got to buy this. And then all of them, if you order those, not that I've done it, but if you order those, it just says, make sure you, you know, have a good diet. So it, it's just another way. And so we spend our money in really foolish ways sometimes. If you take all the people who have credit card debt, put them all in a room, the average credit card debt per household in our country of people who have a dollar balance or more is $15,800. All because money makes us stupid. It makes us want to buy things we can't afford. It makes us buy things now rather than save and wait. And I realize there's times when something bad might have happened, health, job loss, that causes us to get ourselves in trouble. But most of the time, that's not the case. It's just not being able to wait. It's letting money dull your senses to think, I just got to have this now. It, you know, it's 52 easy payments. Why not? Don't have to make a payment for three years. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Money can make you crazy. Money can also make you reject God. That's what it says in Proverbs. Money can make you reject God. There's another guy that writes some of the Proverbs. His name's Agur. And Agur is talking to God and he's saying, God, I need a couple of things from you. I'm asking two things. Please keep me from telling lies and I, and I need, and the, the second thing is, I neither want poverty, nor do I want riches. I don't want either one of those. I want enough to satisfy my needs. And then he says, for if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? So he's saying, it would be dangerous for me to have all this money, because if I get so rich, I may end up saying, 
who is God. Why do people do that? And you might think, well, I would never do that. But people who deal with wealth, which is most of us in here, we're, we're wealthier than 95 plus percent of the world. It's so easy for our loyalties, for our comfort, for our joy to move in the direction of wealth. And so Agur is saying, if I'm rich, I might deny the Lord and find my hope and peace and trust in something other than God himself. So God, don't give me too much. I also don't want to be poor. Just give me enough to stay right in the middle. And that's what he's asking for. Money can be dangerous like that. Money's also deceiving. Money can make you think you're better off than you are. I sat at the bedside of a lady. This was many years ago in another town. And I sat at the bedside of this lady who was dying, who somebody asked me to go visit. And she was extremely wealthy. She had trusted in money all of her adult life, chased it, acquired it, had lots and lots of it. And by her bedside, she was begging to pay somebody to make her better. She said, can you help me? I'll pay anything I have to pay. Why can't they just make me better? I'm not ready to die. I don't want to die. And so she died clinging to her money, thinking, why can't I pay to get better? So money had deceived her into thinking it was security. One of the most popular people of our time was Michael Jackson and one of the richest. One of the last things he was quoted as saying is, I'll pay any amount of money if I could just get some sleep. He had everything he wanted, and he was willing to pay for rest and sleep. So money will trick you. Jesus said that money could keep people out of heaven. He said, it's easier, he, the way he said it was, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to see heaven. Now that might sound harsh, but what he's trying to communicate is, when you transfer the need that only God can fulfill to money, then that money becomes your God. The riches will blind you to your true need. So money's dangerous, it's deceiving, and it's limited. The money won't bring you joy. Now you can buy some fun. You can pay for some stuff and really have fun with it, but it's very limited in what it can provide for us. And you might be thinking, well, I would just like to give it a try, you know, just maybe give it a shot for a week or so and just see. Here's what Proverbs says. Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. See, no matter how many zeros you have after your income, no how, how many zeros are on the end of that paycheck or in that bank account, it won't build relationships. You won't build better relationship with your kids because you have more money in the bank or a bigger house or a bigger car. In fact, it could greatly harm family relationships just because you think, if I could just, if I could just get more of that, then everything's going to be okay, but it won't. If it took money to have fulfillment in life, to have fun, to have happiness, then wouldn't all the fun and happiness be in Hollywood and Wall Street? Wouldn't that be the place where we could find the happiest people on earth would be where all the money is? But it's actually quite opposite. Just this past summer, our high school group went to the Dominican. My daughter was one of those, and my mother was asking her, Abby, what, what was it like? I mean, my mom said, I don't think I could stand to be around all that poverty and just see it. I don't think I could sleep at night. It would just affect me so much. And Abby said, well, they're all happy. 
Everybody I saw there seemed happy. All those kids were happy. So does it take money to make you happy? No. It can bring you fun and some temporary joy, but it's limited. Even though it's deceiving, even though it's limited, it's still manageable. In the hands of the right people, the hands of the right person, money can change the world. Money can bring hope to the hopeless. Money can feed people who are hungry. It can cure people with diseases. And we can enjoy it, and we can have fun with it as long as it's with the right perspective. And so the question we need to answer today is, how do I walk the path of wisdom when it comes to money? Because some people choose that. They walk the path of wisdom when it comes to their money. Some people choose the path of folly when it comes to money. So how do we make sure that we're looking at the destination where we need to be and making decisions today with our finances instead of just buying everything and spending everything and using everything that we get? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about money, not just in Proverbs, but all throughout the Bible. Over and over, it talks about money. And if it was tough then, with not as much cool stuff to buy, just imagine how much tougher it is today. It's a constant struggle for many people. And so in the book of Proverbs, it lays out this wise way to handle money and this foolish way to handle money. Here's the path of wisdom when it comes to money, and here's the path of folly. So here, here's, some, here's some ways to make sure you're walking the path of wisdom. Money is, it's earned on the path of wisdom and it's taken on the path of folly. Money is earned if you're going to walk the path of wisdom. It says a lot about lazy people in the book of Proverbs or sluggards as some translations put it. Solomon says this, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Over and over again, he talks about lazy people won't make it. Lazy people are going to have a difficult time in life. Lazy people are sluggards, but those who work hard and are diligent, God will prosper them. Now, when it comes to poor people, because he also says lazy people will become poor, there's two types of poor people. There are the poor people who have nothing because they're just waiting on somebody to give them something. And they have the ability to earn, they just don't want to. They just think, well, I'm going to try to take the easy route. We're not obligated or even encouraged to help people like that other than say, get a job. Then there's the poor people who, no matter what they've tried, they can't dig out of the hole. Something's happened in their life that's got them in this place of poverty. They're desperate and they need help. And God says, help those poor people. Those are the people that deserve and require our help to get back on their feet or maybe forever. And Solomon makes it clear there's a big difference between people who can work and don't and people who don't and find themselves in poverty. And he really comes down hard on the ones who walk the path of folly and choose to just do it on somebody else's dime. When, when I was a teenager... I grew, I grew up around my grandparents, stayed with my grandparents a lot. I had a room at my grandparents' house, and my grandfather, who was an old-time King James preacher, you church folks, you know what I'm talking about. That's what he was. And he just like talked that way normally too. It was weird. So when it came time to get up, he thought uh, that teenagers were all lazy. Now he's probably, he was probably um, 
a little bit accurate, because right, if you got a teenager, can I get an amen? You know, they have they have some ways of being lazy. It's just our obligation when we're teenagers to be a little bit lazy. Well, my grandfather was having none of that. And so when I was at their house, the way he would wake me up every morning, it was never like, hey buddy, it's time to get up. It was boom, turn the light on. If it's after seven, he says, Son, the Bible says, he that sleepeth cometh to poverty. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It's 7 a.m. I've been asleep for three hours. Can you please turn the light off? So one, one night, I really did this. I unscrewed the light bulbs. And I was like, I'll fix you. But later in life, probably 10 or 12 years later, I'm reading the Bible. There's that verse. The person who sleeps will find themselves in poverty. Solomon says that. And I was like, my grandpa was right. He was, that's really in the Bible. And so here's how Solomon comes down on lazy people. He says, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so a lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. He's saying, lazy people make excuses. I can't go to work. Uh, there's a lion outside, and it might get me, so I can't go. Or you try to get them out of bed, say, hey, look, you know, you're not living on anybody else. It's time to take care of this yourself. And they're like, eh, eh I don't want to get up. Solomon says, like a door creaking on its hinges. And then he says, they're so lazy, and they're so doless. They're like somebody with food in their hand going, I just can't get this up to my mouth. Yeah, could you get that and put it in here for me? Because I just can't do it. He's saying lazy people refuse to help themselves and are always looking for the easy way out. Now, students, listen, there's going to be a time when your parents say, last check, no more, get a job, make your own money. Eventually, you're going to have to do that. So listen up. This is who he's talking to. He's saying, this is the way you walk the path of wisdom with money, and here's the way you walk the path of folly. Make sure you're on the pathway of wisdom when it comes to money. Now, the next one's counterintuitive because from a very early age, we declare everything that's around us as mine, right? It's my stuff, my toys, my room, my stuff in the fridge, my food. I mean, one of the first words kids learn is what? It's mine. But money, if you want to walk the path of wisdom, is given away. If you want to walk the path of folly, money is hoarded. Money is wasted. You want to be wise with your money? You want to have more of it? Give it away. Proverbs says, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. So it's a given that those of us who have help those who have not. Not the lazy people. That's a whole different category but the people who have not, the people who are genuinely poor. Now, here's the struggle and the challenge when we talk about generosity. Everybody thinks they're generous. I mean, nobody has ever come up to me and said, hey, thanks for that message on generosity because I'm really greedy and I'm stingy and I don't like to give any money up. So thank you. Nobody says that. Everybody thinks they're generous. No matter how much or how little you give away, you think you're generous. Some people think, I give my time. That's my generosity. Or I'll be generous as soon as I see how much I have left. As soon as I take care of myself, 
then I'm going to be generous. That's not generosity. See, God has this principle that's throughout Scripture when it comes to generosity. And Solomon talks about it too. Instead of saying me first, God says, no, I made everything. If anybody gets to say me first, God gets to say me first. Since he made everything, he's in control. He could, you know, zap you like a gnat anytime he wanted to. He gets to say me first because he's the one in charge. Here's the way Solomon says it. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. So here, here's what he's talking about. He's saying to, to the people who are listening to him, he's saying the first part of your crops, the first part of your herds, the first part of your money, the first part of gifts, the first part of anything that you get, you take that to God and honor him with it by giving it away, giving it up, by being generous with it. And it says that honors God. And people who do that, you might say, well, I don't have a barn or a vat. You know, what's that mean? He's just saying blessing will overflow in your life. Will I get more stuff? Maybe, maybe not. But it's a promise that we'll receive blessing from God when we put him first. And my guess is this is probably where many of us struggle the most. This is where we struggle saying, okay, so I'm supposed to, first thing, Paycheck comes in, get a gift, get money. First thing I'm supposed to do is honor God with that. That's what the scripture teaches. That's what Jesus himself taught. That's what they taught and practiced in the first century church. Yes, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, there's two reasons probably that that's not happening if it's not happening in your life. One is uh, you want it all for yourself. You're just gonna wait. Well, you'll be generous, but you're gonna be generous with what's left over, not with what you start with. That's not generosity. If you wait till the end and what's left over, that's not being generous. Being generous is starting at the beginning in a way that demonstrates trust in God. That's what generosity is. And if you struggle with that, you struggle with greed. You struggle with, well, I'm going to keep it all for myself first. And then after I take care of myself and my needs and my wants and all the bills and everything, oh, then I'll be generous. That's called greed. At best, it's horrible financial planning. It's one or the other. But there are some people in here, you're not greedy. Something's happened that's caused you to be in debt. Maybe you're overspending. Maybe you're not being able to wait and save and buy. And maybe you're, you've just gotten yourself overextended. Maybe something happened health-wise or a family splitting apart. Something like that has got you at a place that you never expected. And you want to be generous. You now realize, yes, I must put God first. I should be. I haven't been for whatever reason, good or bad, but here I am. I want to be generous. I see the Bible says that. I hear him talk about it at church, but I just can't. And so this, is, this creates tension because you want to, but you can't. And in my experience, a lot of people are there. A lot of people are at the place that would say, I would love to give away more, whether it's to a charity, whether it's to my church. I would love to be able to do that but I can't. So we've got a way that we're going to help you do that. If you struggle with that, either with greed, saying, well, I can't imagine giving the money away first before I make sure I'm taking care of myself. Or you say, well, I would love to do that, but I can't. So here's what we're going to do. Now, this is commercial mode now. Was preaching, now I'm giving a commercial, okay? 
We have a class coming up called Managing Money God's Way. And this is going to be an online class taught by one of the guys on our finance team. And this is a really cool way. I've never done this before. We would love it if as many people as possible could take part in this. It's going to be September 1st, 8th, and 15th. Those are all Tuesday nights. If you write money on that Connect card, we will send you an email on how you can call in or you know, tune in live. It'll be interactive. You can ask questions. It'll take about an hour each of those nights, and it'll get you on the track to managing money God's way. Come with your Bible, something to write with. We'll send you a link for all the notes that you're going to need. It's free, and you can watch or if you're not in a place where you can watch, you, there'll be a call-in number, you can listen in, and you can take part in this learning how to manage money God's way. And it'll get you on a track to be able to say, I honor God with my money. If you had a discussion around the dinner table tonight and said to the family or to your friends, does the way I spend my money demonstrate my trust in God? Does it? If so, how? If not, then what can I do to make sure that it does? I've never, now there's a lot more to money. It's not just earn it instead of taking it, be generous with it instead of hoarding it. There's a lot of other stuff. There's saving, there's enjoying, there's more. But I've never seen a person who got the first two down that the other ones didn't just work out. So I've never seen a person say, I'm really generous with my money, but I never save a dime. Never had that said to me. Or I'm really generous, but I'm unhappy. I'm generous and I help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, I'm, I'm unhappy. So why does Solomon talk so much about money? Number one, he knows the key to unlocking our ultimate enjoyment of money is generosity. Once you've earned it, and it's coming in, the greatest enjoyment you'll ever get from it is giving it away and helping other people and making a difference in the world. So how do I walk the path of wisdom when it comes to money? Earn it honestly and give it freely, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Jesus said, you can't love me and money at the same time. Because if you do, if you try to love money, you're going to end up hating me. So you can't love one and not hate the other. And so Jesus is saying you can't have both. You got to choose. And why is he that harsh? Because he knows the grip that money can have on our hearts to bring us fulfillment and to bring us joy and security. And while money can do all of those things temporarily, Jesus stands and says, no, I want to do that eternally. I want to do that not just now, but I want to do that for you forever. So why trust in something that can't keep you strong and secure and hopeful for eternity? It can for a little while. It can. But it can also mess up your life where Jesus won't. And so he's saying, look, you got to choose. Which one are you going to love? Oh, you can have lots of money and still love Christ and still put God first and help still honor God with all of it. See, wisdom, remember what I said wisdom was? Having the skill to see how the world works and then being able to navigate through it. So getting wisdom with money is having the skill to see, well, how does the world think about money? And well, I'm going to navigate through that because I don't have to have all that stuff. 
or I can give more away if I don't do this, or I found more joy when I helped somebody out. That's having wisdom with money, seeing how the world works and then navigating through it. You don't have to have a car payment all the time. You don't have to have credit card debt. You don't have to try to hoard it all up for yourself. Wisdom says there's a better way to live when it comes to money. It's recognizing the dangers of it, recognizing its limitations, earning it, earning all of it I can, but being as generous as I can with it. That's how you walk with wisdom when it comes to money. So as we've gone through this series, we've talked about several different things in life that if we bring wisdom into it, it just makes life better. How it works with words and selflessness and sex and today, money. If you've missed any part of this series, go to our website, click on resources, and it'll guide you to uh, the podcast or the video and you can take a look at that. This one proverb sums up the whole series. I could have just read this one week and we could have had like a 10-minute series. Proverbs chapter three, beginning at verse five, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So if you're having trouble, like, do I live here? Do I live there? Do I date this person, that person? It's time to get married. What do I major in? Should I buy this or that? Where does it start? Same place it starts with your money, trusting in God. And when we do that, there may be multiple options, but he will make it clear which path we're supposed to take. And that's what it means to walk with wisdom. Let's pray. God, thank you for these thousands of year old words that give us insights on how to walk the pathway of wisdom. May those of us who have strayed from it find words of hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen.